Welcome to the Leadership Prescription Podcast, where leaders come to get their Friday medicine. Your host is the number one business strategist, leadership authority, entrepreneur, author, and keynote speaker, Dana Michelle Woods. If you are ready for the leader's talk, then without further ado, here is Dana Michelle Woods. I am Dana Michelle Woods of DMWI Consulting and welcome to the Leadership Prescription Podcast where leaders come to get their Friday medicine. Well, my guest today is the sensational, fabulous, wonderful, highly regarded (laughs) woman. And I want to introduce to everyone Colleen LaRose. She is from Narita. And our theme this whole entire month is Women CEOs Beating the Odds. And so without further ado, DMWI, let's give her a warm clap, 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 clap. Let's welcome Colleen. Colleen, how are you? Hello, Dana. How are you? This is this is exciting. That was quite a quite an introduction. I hope I can <laughs> stand up to that kind of uh... <laughs> Colleen, tell us about your background. Tell us about who you are. Well, um, Gee, how far back do you want me to go? I'm old. <laughs> I, I, I started uh, with workforce development in 1998 when uh, Bill Clinton um, introduced the Workforce Investment Act, WIA. Um, and so I've been around workforce development for about 20 years now which is like a long time. Um, and I've learned a lot. And I, I feel like I, at this point, I've contributed a great deal. And so um, I am a leader in, in uh, the workforce development space and branching out now to uh, economic development, to um, you know, helping economic developers to understand how workforce development um, works with them and, and, and can be a benefit to them. Um, and also working with higher education and talking with them and about how to work more collaboratively with uh, both workforce development and economic development. And now with my new role in um, with 1-800-PUBLIC RELATIONS, I'm starting to work with um, emerging growth businesses and helping to um, identify uh, investment opportunities for people um, who would be interested in knowing who the business leaders are and who's getting ready to uh, go into an IPO and you know wh- what uh, kinds of opportunities there are with regard to growing business in the United States. And I see that's all kind of working together, you know, workforce development, economic development, our, our training institutions, colleges, and you know all of that in support of these growth uh, businesses. Mm-hmm. Tell me, um, Colleen, have you experienced any difficulties being a woman, being in leadership? Have you experienced any type of resistance from the same sex as well as from our male counterparts? You know, I, I, I. I don't break it down because of gender. I, you know, for the most part, I break it down for personalities, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and so, you know, there are always going to be people that um, are, you know, more challenging for your personality to get along with. Um, Some people, and, and, you know, I I know um, one thing that I have learned in life is that the way people treat you is really about how they feel about themselves. And so, if you cannot internalize, um, you know, their 
their uh, problems, you know, I mean, so if they're, if they're degrading you or they're making you feel um, inadequate in some way, um, you know, that's because they feel inadequate. And so if you can really recognize that, you can turn it all around and, you know, help to support them and help, and help them to become a better person. Because at the end of the day, this isn't about making money. This is about all of us reaching our highest being, you know, our highest potential. And that is a, a, a much higher um, value in, in the world and, and in life and, and is much more uplifting, will make you feel better than, um, you know, the day-to-day -day, uh, accomplishments or, or you know, um, you know I, getting that, getting that uh, kudo from someone or whatever. It's, you know, it's really much more about helping to uplift other people and uplift, uplifting humanity at the same time. What has been your greatest accomplishment? You know, I think um, founding Narita really seven years ago was was certainly one of my biggest accomplishments. I don't know if it's the only one. I like to, I'm, I, as I said, I'm old, so I've, I've had a lot of time to do stuff. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I think um, trying to get workforce development, economic development, and higher education to work collaboratively in, um, in recognizing the uh, attributes of their region and being able to provide a unified front. So if, if a business were to come calling to their region, um, you know, having them already have a, um, you know, dog and pony show kind of put together, you know, where they, where they can present, these are the benefits of, of locating in our region is a lot better than a business going to a region and then having to go to each separate silo and ask them, well, what, do, what can you do? What can you do? What can you do? Um, and so, you know, that's great. But then the greater benefit is if you can get them to work together and then identify the high growth industries in their region and get those regional industries, um, you know, to, to the leaders in those industries to work together. Now you're really, you know, like kind of, uh, you know, Cooking with gas, I guess is how you'd say it. You know, like now you're now, now you know now 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 you've really got something going on because uh, you know those industry leaders are the ones who are going to identify what their um, not only what the training needs are for their individual businesses, but what the training needs are for the industry. And that's when you can really begin to grow an industry and become a magnet then for other uh, businesses that would be drawn to the area because they see that it's an industry uh, specific kind of region and that they would get the kinds of support that they need if they you know were to locate in that region so success begets success and collaboration is the beginning of all of that you know um it's areas that continue to work in the old-fashioned siloed ways that are falling behind and 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 won't catch up until they realize that it's collaboration that really creates the energy that sparks economic development now, Colleen, why did you start Narita? What was the, uh, what was your motivation um, behind starting it? And what would you say to a woman that has, or, or to anyone, I should say, um, who have a desire, they see a problem, they have a solution, but they don't know how to branch out, how to step out there and how to like kind of make it happen. Give us your success tips and how you did that with Narita since you did found, you were the founder. 
you, you know, it takes a little bit of chutzpah, you know, I mean, you know, you have to be kind of bold and recognize that, hey, I think I know what the answer is here and be willing to step out and say, you know, like, it's always good to ask questions and to be informed before you go out and make a statement. So, you know, I certainly did my homework first to find out what are the issues that are, are barriers to businesses locating in regions? What are the barriers to these organizations working together? What would be the benefits of them working together? Um, you know, and kind of, you know, um, went to the uh, different uh, associations that are working on competitiveness, you know, issues and, and uh, you know, understanding um, what the tactics would be in order to, you know, increase your um, standing in, you know, in, in, in a country or in the world, you know, like, you know, how do you increase your standing? So once, but once I did my homework, then I said, you know, now I, I've got information. I, I need to share this. And, and while I say it, it takes chutzpah to kind of say, hey, you all need to work together, you know, um, but it, but it comes from a place of information informed you know like i was informed and so it's more of an education opportunity for me to be able to step forward and say you know i've done all this research and now i want to share with you why this is important and you know not only why it's important but how you can get it done and what need what are the steps that you need to take in order to make this happen and you know it's then it's received in a much better way you know i mean you're not just saying you should you're saying let me help you understand this and how i can you know show you how you can um showcase your value and and demonstrate your benefits and and help people to realize um you know a greater economic return on the investments they're making in your region. What would you say to the person that experiences resistance with their new idea, their solution to solving a problem? What resistance tips can you give us? You know, sometimes you just have to barrel through, right? Uh, you know, I mean, one thing that you need to, to recognize is um, where is the resistance coming from? What is, what is the, you know, get really clear on why people are being resistant to what you're offering. If, if the resistance is that they feel that they already have this information or know this information, maybe the problem is you. Maybe you're not couching this in a way to help them recognize that this really is new information or this really is information that they need to have. Um, you know, it may be um, that they're already overwhelmed, you know, that they're already, that they already have too much. I mean, we're in this um, situation now where we're in information overload, right? Mm -hmm. So they may be getting too much information and this is just too much. So how can you deliver that information maybe in cliff notes or, you know, like in a short way to get them the information that they need um, and draw them in, you know? Um, you know, it, it's really, I think, um, it's hard to say how to deal with resistance until you're clear on why you're getting that resistance. But know that's going to happen. And so a lot of times you have to kind of be still persistent. Mm -hmm. And no matter what, if you believe in what your message is, and you know that what you have to offer is going to benefit so many people. Yes, yeah, somebody may say, no, we don't need that or, you know, come back later. But we have to, no matter what your gender is, continue to press forward and Absolutely. be determined, you know, definitely. Yeah, and, and women women t tend to be um, reluctant to 
push forward as much as men do. You know, men men are raised in you know in in our society to you know our culture is that it's um, okay for men to be aggressive and assertive, and and women are you know expected to be more modest and more humble. Um, and you know that may serve us with regard to our sexual um, <laughs> attractions for one another, but it doesn't serve us well when we're in the business world. And women mm -hmm. really need to learn um, that they it, it does not make them unattractive. It does not make them any less of a woman, um, in, you know, if they're stepping forward and saying what they believe to be true. In fact, confidence is probably the most sexually attractive uh, <laughs> the component that you can have. So presenting yourself with confidence is a, is a, is a good book writer right there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I love that. You, you know, I remember being in corporate and um, one of the directors of finance, she had CPA, she had all the credentials, worked for big accounting firms, but she had a lack of confidence. Mm -hmm. And her, in other words, her background was smooth. I mean, everything looked good. But when she would come into the meetings, you could just see it. And I was like, wow, you've reached this pinnacle of your career and you're still struggling with that, that little girl, you know, mm -hmm. that needs someone to come and validate, needs someone to come and say, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And I believe that, you know, we all have those little girl moments sometimes, but when we recognize that we have to step up and say, look, I'm in the boardroom because I have a right to be here. I have a right to be heard, as, as, especially when it also comes to negotiating your salary and your compensation, mm -hmm. you know, don't to ask for what you want and mm -hmm. not think that you're you know you're hurting the company's feelings because you're demanding what you should get because mm -hmm. you say, right, our male counterparts have no problem right. no pay me a million dollars okay <laughs> what else you want <laughs> i want a car too okay what else you want and we as women sometimes kind of resist it and we kind of want we don't want to be seen as aggressive mm -hmm. and i don't think it's always been aggressive in the time and the place for it but, you know, we have to be willing to speak up and as, as leaders and especially the CEO, we can't run our companies in, a, in an insecure manner. You right. know, we have moments where we feel, you know, and we feel as though, well, should I say this or should I not say this? Should I do this? If you're at the helm, you're the commander in chief, handle it, do it, do it with ease, do it with a smile, do it with feminine, you know, flair. You know, we don't have to act like the men or be like the men or think like the men. We can think like a lady, be like a lady and be ourselves, you mm -hmm. know. So, Carly, tell That's, me I, what... Yeah, please. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, you know, I, I, I think the one thing that women, you know, bring to this is that we, we are more social in our orientation. And so we can bring, um, I, I think the number one thing that we can bring is kindness to the into the boardroom, you know, um, and and recognizing um, that we can be bold and audacious and do what's necessary to get done, but we can also do that in a way that's kind. Um, mm -hmm. um, and I, I also think it's important for us to know the difference between uh, managing and leadership. That you know, I just mm -hmm. want to touch on that real quickly. Please, please. Um, you know, because. Uh, women so often uh, get relegated into supervisory kinds of roles. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of like watching the kids, you know, kind of thing. Um, and we, and, and when you're in a leadership role, um, you, that's not, that's, that's not what you're there for. You're not there to kind of, you know, micromanage and watch what everybody's doing. That's management. What you, what you're doing in leadership is saying, I have a vision for where we're going to go. And if you all, you know, believe in my, 
my vision, you'll follow me, you know, to the ends of the earth to get that done. So that's a very different role. And women need to um, put, you know, understand when they're putting that leadership hat on that they need to let go of management at that in that moment. Now, you'll you'll have to do both. I mean, obviously, yeah. there will be people that you'll need to manage along the way. But you know, when you're doing leadership, you know, make sure that you're very clear in your mind that right now I'm doing leadership and that's a different role than managing people. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that was an excellent point to, um, to, to make. And I believe that some women um, may not know how to be a visionary. You know, they don't know how to see beyond the chaos, the mess. We you know, you know what I like to do? I like to hang out with futurists, um, whether it's online or, you know, like, you know, reading their books or, you know, what, you know, like listening to them on, you know, the radio or whatever. Um, not because they necessarily can forecast the future. Um, you know, I mean, they, they don't have any crystal balls any more than any of the rest of us. But what they do is force you to think in term in futuristic terms. And mm. so you can start to envision, well, what opportunities might be there if I'm thinking about the future constantly? What are my what are the where are the next steps? what's on the horizon you know and it so it forces you to have a future focus um when you're when you're constantly bombarded with people who are thinking in those ways if you're always thinking in the present you're, you you'll never get past that you'll never you'll never be um on the cutting edge and in order to be on the cutting edge you have to be thinking constantly about what's What's next? What's coming next? You know, never get comfortable. Um, you know, if you're comfortable, you're already behind. You've, you've got mm -hmm. to constantly be on the cutting edge and moving forward. I agree. And which means that you, as a CEO, that's one of the main responsibilities of a CEO is to be able to look into the future. Mm -hmm. You know, not to worry about the Chuck come on time you know, did Chuck do his work? No, sometimes, even if we are women in management, sometimes we don't know how to allocate our resources properly so that then we can be at, the, at our best and mm -hmm. whatever it is we need to be focused on. You know, I agree, you have to have your eyes on the shop. I do agree with that. But you have, you're in that role of a CEO. You have to be able to keep your mind clear ahead. Are we charting in the right direction? Do mm -hmm. we need to do we need to readjust? You That's know, right. and it means that we have to be able to talk to other CEOs and not worry about, well, I don't want them to take my idea. I believe that when we have the networking opportunities, you know what not to say at a networking meeting. You're not going to share your new proprietary technique that's coming out off the market. You're not right. going to do that, but you at least want to be able to talk to people from different industries. Well, a lot of times CEOs, we just want to stay within our neck of the woods. Yeah. No, you have branch out into other areas, software, you know, um, financial, you know, customer service, broaden your, broaden your scope so that you get more of not just a futuristic, but you get more like a worldview. Well, I was just gonna I was just gonna mention that, Dana. I think what's most important the most important skill for a CEO is to be is to recognize that they are part of an uh, the larger ecosystem of humanity, and not to get too kind of ethereal in my thinking, but you know, it, being a good corporate citizen. Um, and recognizing that your business is part of helping to make the world a better place. Um, you know, the CEOs are truly the money and power um, in the world. 
and that makes them the leaders in the world. Um, they, they frankly choose the political uh, leaders, you know, they choose what we get to see on TV and, you know, through the media that, you know, these are, the, these are the people they are. If, if you can think of them in terms of being puppeteers, the puppeteers of the world are the CEOs of these corporations. And, you know, recognizing that the importance of that role, um, that, being a good corporate citizen that is having um, ethics and morality and compassion and conscience and integrity and principles and values and um, you know recognizing the importance of diversity and you know equality and you know not you know um, not allowing harassment you know in the in the workplace and you know I mean these are these are the true values and measures of humanity not money and not power and so mm -hmm. if we're, you know it's if you're going to be the puppeteer then set the stage for all of us to live, uh, you know, a quality life. I love it. I love it. I love it. What lesson learned would you tell someone entering the new leadership role? Um, I think learning to pivot um, because the world is changing so fast. I mean, you, you just, um, as I said, if you're get if you're comfortable, you're already behind. So, you know, understanding that, um, what you're doing today may be, you know, out of date, you know, by, by midnight tonight, <laughs> you know? And so you, you know, you've, you've got to be ready and willing and able to change gears and change direction and look for new resources. Let me give you an example. One of the reasons that I've joined 1-800-PUBLIC RELATIONS is because um, I'm going to be able to access the services of this PR company in order to get my message out to a broader audience, um, while at the same time helping this organization, you know, with these emerging growth companies and, and working with, um, with, you know, with these CEOs and helping them to recognize um, why they need to be working with workforce development, economic development, and higher education. So it's a win-win situation the way that I see it. Um, you know, is but, but that was, it was something that just kind of came, you know, to my doorstep. Um, and I rec, but I recognized the opportunity and was able that to is. pivot and take, and take that on. So, you know, um, no matter what level you're at, whether you're the CEO or whether you're just starting out as an entrepreneur, it's always about recognizing opportunity and how to take advantage of those opportunities and being mm -hmm. willing to change what you're doing in a moment's notice in order to take advantage of that. Awesome. Awesome. So being a leader, how important is strategic partnerships? Oh, it, it's, it, it is, it is critical. And frankly, I have to tell you, LinkedIn has been such a good friend to me because, um, you know, it, I have found so many of my strategic partnerships through, through connections on LinkedIn. Um, I think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, honestly. <laughs> you know, it used to be, you know, when, when you try to get a hold of, uh, you know, a CEO or someone that you, you know, of, of some importance, you know, you'd have to go through so many gatekeepers and, you know, it was exhausting. Um, now, you know, you can pretty much get in touch with almost anybody that you want. I mean, I've connected with CEOs of pharmaceutical companies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, the, you know, people who I wanted to be, you know, if I had a legitimate reason for wanting to reach out to right. them, I mean, you're not going to connect with yeah. just anybody. But if you have a legitimate 
legitimate reason for wanting to connect with them and talk, you know, uh, you know, you have something of value to bring to that conversation, they're going to connect with you. Um, and building that network, um, you know, gives you all kinds of um, credential, you know, uh, you know, credibility, I guess, in, in the marketplace. Um, and it also is a wonderful resource then, uh, because they then have, you know, it's not only them as the connection, but it's the connections that they have, um, mm -hmm. that you then can tap into as well. So you build this amazing resource of uh, strategic partners, who you can pull from, um, you know, and help you to, you know, uh, see, you know, get to what your vision is of you know where you're trying to go and also help to inform your vision which is very important you know again this idea of hanging out with futurists or you know people who are in the know um, helping you know being open to the fact that you don't know everything you couldn't possibly and you will never know everything you know but you know being open to being informed by other ideas and other perspectives and um and and being willing to kind of incorporate that into your vision mm -hmm. I, I was in hawaii uh, i think it was last year i was there for a conference and um one of the guys said um oh there's so-and-so and they said, yeah, what is he doing? He says, every year he has a think tank here. It wasn't advertised, didn't see it on social media, mm -hmm. but he gathers some of the future people, mm -hmm. future, and they just got together. You would think they were there for, you know, vacation or whatever. No, they were there strategizing. Mm -hmm. you, and they weren't getting caught up in the political array of things that we're experiencing right now. They're thinking about how can we make, how can we make life better? That's mm -hmm. why they were together, you know, <laughs> just sit there and exchange ideas. And it's not about, well, I didn't put the event on, you put the event on. No, no, no. It was about coming collectively together and mm -hmm. saying, you know, how can we collectively identify these problems, but also leave here with some solutions. And I'm yeah. willing to come together. And I, I thought that was so beautiful. It was powerful. It was absolutely powerful. Yeah, you know, I mean, I hear a lot about these like mastermind, uh, you know, uh, you know, gatherings and stuff that that w are very popular with women right now, and that's great. You know, I mean, sitting down and talking with people from different perspectives who can help you with your business is great. But I would love to see women sit down and have those kinds of conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, where it's you know about the larger ideas um, and thinking in terms of you know what is it that we can do. Um, as uh, maybe as women, you know what I mean? You, you know, the UN um, has, uh, you know, women's empowerment kinds of programs, you know, and, and um, I've just started kind of uh, becoming engaged with them because part of 1-800-PUBLIC-RELATIONS is that we are involved with the sustainable development goals with the mm -hmm. UN um, and supporting those. And uh, I think, um, you know, the, the UN would be a really great place for women to to gather and think in terms of you know what is the role of women in the world you know in you know in in the future. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, I just saw. Um, I think it was on your website that you know you, you noted that there are only five percent of the uh, CEOs in Fortune 500 companies right now that are women. Um, you know we can do better than that. You know I think we that, can you know, do better. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's like, you know, 10% or, or, you know, of, of uh, Fortune 500 companies have women on their boards, um, you know, like 10, only 10%, I think it is. Um, I know, 
I know that women own about a third of all of the companies um, in in the country, or a third of all the businesses in the country, but they generate only 4%, 4, 1, 2, 3, 4% of all the business revenues. Wow. That means men generate 96% of all the business revenues we can do better than that, you know? So, so, you know, let's, you know, let's think in terms of what is it that's keeping women from blossoming and being full partners in the world and, you know, and how, and how, how can we improve that for the future? Absolutely. I, I made a statement, I think on the last show that we keep talking about the glass, the glass ceiling, and we're waiting for that opportunity, you know, for someone to allow us, to step into those higher positions and those board seats. And nowadays you can create your own opportunity. If it, if it means that you have to partner with somebody else mm-hmm. to create an opportunity, why stay and wait? Hopefully, hope I get that promotion this year. And then you get overlooked and overlooked and you stay and you stay. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? You're, you have options as women. We have options and we can do better and we can have that boldness and be able to say, you know what? I'm willing to launch out there and do my own opportunity, create my own opportunity and not worry about someone else giving me that opportunity because it may never happen at that company. It may be 200 years that they finally put a CEO or a woman in a position of prominence. And so why wait there? You're, you're so right. You know, but you know, we, we're, we're such caretakers and we're always afraid of offending someone, you know, and, and the reality is we only get so many hours and minutes and seconds on the planet, right? All of us. And you know, it, 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 it's okay to be audacious. It's okay to be bold. It's you, you were born for a purpose. So fulfill your purpose, you know, don't, don't wait for somebody to give it to you, go out and get it, go step out and find it and, and, and let people know what you think, because you are, you know, you're bright and you're capable and you have ideas and, you know, um, they're just as valid as any man on the planet, perhaps Mm -hmm. more so. (laughs) Well, Colleen, we're coming down to our final minutes and I wanted to give you the final word. What's your final word? How do you, how would you like to be remembered? Well, that's a really good question. I, I think I would like to be remembered as someone who brought joy to the world, um, who infused the world with kindness and um, and saw potential and possibility in every person that I ever met, in every organization that I ever was part of, um, and tried to um, bring out that that excellence in them. Um, I, I think opportunity really is um, the best thing that we have to give to all of humanity. So, you know, making sure that people recognize their own value and giving them the opportunity to excel to, to, to their best potential is, is really what I, I want to be known for. Wonderful. Well, Colleen, on behalf of the Leadership Prescription Podcast team, we want to say thank you so much for joining us today, taking time out of your busy schedule. I appreciate it. And I know that we're going to hear great things from you. We would love to have you come back on the Leadership Prescription Podcast. And so with that being said, everyone, thank you so much for listening. As we said, we do it in 30 minutes. We may went out a little bit today, but that's okay. This is where leaders come to get their Friday medicine. I am Dana Michelle Woods of DMWI Consulting. And check, stay tuned for next week where we have a phenomenal guest as well. We're only going to bring you but the best. And so thank you so much, everyone. We look forward to talking to you. If you have any questions, 
Send us your questions at podcast at danamwoods.com. Thank you so much. Thanks, Colleen. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Dana and Friends. Please stop by her website at www.danamwoods.com. Remember, leadership, a badge of honor, not an entitlement.